Rob, that new intro, it reminds me of like uh, Wednesday morning after my Tuesday night sport league when I wake up and I just see the the rubble of what I did the previous night of my piss poor bowling, but the sweep the rack flag is planted amongst the rubble, waving waving strongly still. It's great, uh, great metaphor there, Rob. Well, the I, the metaphor was actually supposed to be like the rubble is actually like, uh, like the bowling industry. And I, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know Okay. All yeah, right, I was way but, off the mark. I'm sorry. Sometimes with my English I mean, degree, I get I get a little too deep in things, you know. Hey, whatever floats your boat, man. I'm, it's the holidays. If you think it was for your bowling game, then we could go that route too. All right, good. So, uh, Rob, we're back. We're back for the people. Uh, we're we're providing we're providing content for the people, man. Like we're putting it out there right now. We we've we've uh, already put out a couple good interviews. Uh, we're we're gonna have another one today, I'm sure. And uh, we're going to continue forward with a few more, especially before the PBA t- tour season gets started here. Uh, trying to give the people what they want, trying to get the players that the people want to hear from Rob. And let's be honest, that's the players that uh, had great years last year, uh, won, won big events last year, made had statement seasons last year, right? And I think our guest today is somebody that that checks all three of those boxes, no question. Yeah, I mean, first time guest, uh, Chris Vai. Uh, can't wait to talk to him because, uh, you know, he's got a lot of industry experience and knowledge too outside of bowling, right? So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But what a great year he had! You know, Mike, it's really easy doing the interviews with the pro- with the pros who've had great years the past years. Um, I sh- we should look into bringing guests on that were terrible, that had like terrible years. I think that might be a better interview. But I don't know how many people would want to come on that. You know like 50th or 60th in the world yeah but typical typical of bowlers they probably all have someone or something to blame no like it would be it would be it would be the lane guy or the bowling balls or this or that or the other all right yeah. so enough delay uh let's let's bring in uh chris vi let's bring them on rob chris uh welcome welcome to sweep the rack for the first time uh right off we appreciate the time i know i know a lot of you guys are busy uh, right now, not only is it the holiday season, but Rob, we we forgot about this tour trials or not tour trial. What am I saying? Tour Team USA trials are coming up. Team USA trials are right after the New Year. Chris, you bowling? Uh, I am not bowling. But first of all, okay. thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Uh, no, I am not bowling. Uh, Team USA trials. I am submitting a resume, uh, but you know, with with how crazy crazy busy we are at the shop right now. Um, it's just not really feasible for me to, uh, take another week off and, and be out there. We're going to leave the recent Weber cup experience off the resume. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to let you go on that. I'm going to let you go. On, <laughs> I uh, uh, all right. So you're in though, Rob, he's, he's in, right? I mean, if his resume gets denied, then I, I, I don't know who the hell is actually looking at the resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. You're in. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just to, might as well pack your bags, buy the ticket to where. Yeah. Like yeah. You're uh, good. I mean, <laughs> it, it may, it makes sense that he wouldn't bowl. You know what? Like you win the U S open, you perform the way you did last year. You, you, you finished third in the PBA player of the year voting. If he wants to be a part of team USA, he should undoubtedly be a part of team USA. I mean that that's a no brainer. So, okay. Um, Chris, it's your first time here. We usually ask our guests the first time they come on, just for, for the people that listen to our podcast and may not have seen you in other places or followed you in other places, uh, give us a little bit of your background in the game. 
Yeah, so uh, I've pretty much grown up in a bowling alley. Um, I wasn't necessarily fortunate enough that my parents owned one, like a lot of uh, a lot of bowlers that that make it to the you know the tour level. Uh, but my dad bowled pretty much every night of the week, so I was always there watching him, paying attention, um, and I just kind of got invested. You know, I, I started loving the sport from a really young age, and um, you know, he let me stick around and bowl a game after league every once in a while. So. It's just kind of where where it started, and and it hasn't really gone away since. Why was he so into it? Uh, it was just a family thing. I mean, his okay. his parents bowled. Um, you know, he bowled with his brother, he bowled with his uncle, bowled with his dad. Um, so you know, he just really enjoyed it. He was he was really good as well. Um, so I think that that kind of helped, and um, it was kind of like his version of gambling. Okay. All right. No, that 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 makes total sense. All right. So so you've you're 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 a bowling alley kid then. You know, yeah. like like many of us, you know, the, like it's me, the same, I was the same way. Yeah, Rob, his his the way he told that story honestly reminded me a lot of Bill. Right when when I went to Levittown Lanes to start practicing Levittown Lanes with Bill, which was him his home center, he his whole family was there every day. His uncle yep, was there every too. day. His dad was there every day. His grandfather was there every day. His grandmother stopped in. His mom would stop by. So like, yeah, it was a, it, it was a family thing. And 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 Chris, I think you make a good point too that. A lot of the tour players you do see today, and we've talked about this on the podcast previously, they do have a connection to the bowling industry because it's that it's that hard to make it out there where if you don't have a really deep connection to the bowling industry and you're not making serious money off of the industry itself, you're re- it's really tough to survive out there. So we, we like to see that. We like to see the guys who come from that background. What about in terms of junior bowling? Did you grow up in the Ohio area and, and what was there there to compete in that was high level? Yeah, so I grew up, you know, I was in Ohio, you know, my entire life, you know, I grew up in Springfield, uh, pretty small town. So locally, there wasn't really much. We had, you know, the county tournament, you know, every year that, you know, there's probably 20 kids in or so it wasn't really, you know, much competition wise. But once I got a little bit older, uh, we have JTBAs here, uh, which, you know, a couple of the Pennsylvania people come over, you know, we got some Michigan people that come down um, and I bowled against EJ. Uh, he came over from from the Indiana, and some Kentucky people came as well. So not too much, uh, but we had you know it was good competition. You know it was probably ten or so tournaments a year that we would get to go bowl. And they'd be on sport shots, um, and they were you know basically kind of like uh, what we bowl in the summer series, like you know qualifying, and then we would have match play after, and then you know usually it was a bracket style format. But um, I think it was really good. Um, basically competition for, you know, pretty much anything we bowled uh, nationally because I really never started bowling the bigger tournament stuff until I was, I don't know, junior in high school, sophomore in high school, something like that. So, I mean, I I was pretty much just bowled local uh, up until I was probably about 16 or 17 when I started bowling some some bigger tournaments. So what I heard in that answer there, Rob, and I know you probably picked up on this as well, uh, you've been bowling on sports shots for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried to bowl pretty much everything I could. Um, so it's probably been about 15 years now that I've been bowling on sports shots. I mean, <laughs> I remember when, when they first came out on the, uh, with all the animal pattern names, um, that was kind of, you know, when I first, I guess that's really kind of when for everyone really got introduced to them. Um, you know, the, the, Tour always ha- bowled on harder stuff, but it was never really available to the public. And once they came up with those, um, I guess, animal pattern names, it was kind of when 
you know, there used to be some PBA experience leagues, um, you know, and stuff like that. And, you know, my friends and I growing up, uh, we were always trying to find, you know, the hardest length condition possible. And, you know, that's, that's how we got better. Rob, yep. 15 or 16 year old, you has the opportunity to bowl on real PBA style conditions. What's what your reaction? What an advantage that was when we were 15, 16 years old, they didn't even have those animal patterns at that time. Like we, we didn't even know what a high roller pattern was or no, you didn't even know what, what, what sport versus recreation was. There was no, there was no separation. We bowled on whatever the local house put out for us as a junior. Some of them were really tough because of just the, the way of the bowling center. Some of them were really easy, but there was none, none of that. And what you had growing up, Oh, I would have loved to have that as a 14, 15 year old. I think I would have been a lot more successful as a, as a, yeah. you know, a, 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 an adult bowler than I was having to really learn as I went. Like Bill yeah. kind of was the same reset thing. Your, re, would have re, totally sure. reset your mindset on what you needed to do and, and probably mm. humbled us a lot, Rob. Probably, oh, probably okay. humbled us a lot and showed us like we had a lot more to learn than oh. at that time we thought we had to learn. Mike, um, the best I took at the high roller the first two years, money-wise, my sponsor wanted to, like, kill me. I mean, I was losing thousands <laughs> of dollars trying to learn on his dime. You know, I appreciate it, Luigi. Man, thanks if you're listening. You know, I doubt it. But. True. Uh, Chris, how did you develop the two-handed style? Uh, it started from, you know, when I first started bowling. You know, I, I literally okay. started bowling games when I was 18 months old. Um, so I think it's a pretty similar story to how Belmo started bowling. Um, just super young, not really able to pick up. Uh, the ball, like, you know, normal or traditionally, and it just kind of turned into to what it is today. It, it just never really changed. I never, you know, started putting my thumb in it. Uh, it was just always a couple fingers and uh, just went after it and had fun. Well, Chris, I got to follow up, Mike, but real quick here, because like, was there anybody at that time when you were a kid that was trying to correct you and say you're bowling the wrong way? Because they actually did that with me. I started as a two-handed when I was a kid that age. But they didn't let me do it. The bowling eye said, oh, you can't do that. You're going to ruin the lanes. And they made me go traditional. So is there anybody outside of it, like, except for maybe even your family, did they say you got to start bowling one-handed? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, pretty much everywhere I went, uh, anytime I bowled, uh, there was somebody saying that, you know, that's not the right way to do it. You know, you're not doing it correctly, whatever it may be. Um, and we actually had a lot of people, you know, kind of get into my family's head about that to where it was like, he's never going to be successful. You know, he's going to be injured all the time. You know, just the, the typical things that people are saying about the two-handed game. And I eventually got to a point where my mom kind of sat me down and was like, hey, like, you know, we probably do need to, to switch you, you know, if you if you want to keep bowling. And yeah, I did try one-handed for, for a little bit. Um, I hated it. I didn't have any fun. And I, I actually stopped bowling for a couple of years. Um, it was probably about two or three years. Where, where I stopped bowling and uh, tried to pursue a career in basketball. Um, but my four foot seven, 87 pound body frame at age 13 just wasn't really built for uh, the NBA. So um, I, that, that didn't last too long. Um, and I actually, I actually got really lucky. Uh, my mom started working on Saturdays and obviously, you know, we bowl on Saturday mornings and some friends from high school asked me to, to bowl with them again. I was like, man, I haven't bowled in a couple of years. You know, I, I don't really know. And they're like, ah, you know, just we just need one more person. Just come, you know, bowl with us and have fun. I was like, all right, whatever. 
And, uh, you know, obviously my mom not being there, family wasn't there. I, I just bowled two-handed. I, you know, I, it's like, whatever. I, I did what I wanted to. I had fun. And, you know, I was averaging like, you know, 205 or whatever. And that was about 80 pins better than my 120 average when I was one-handed. And my mom was like, wow, like, you know, it took a couple of years off. You're like, you got, you got pretty good. And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I just, I just started practicing and got, got pretty good. And then finally, uh, she didn't work on Saturday, came and came and watched me bowl. So uh, from that point on, she was like, uh, you know, as long as you're having fun and, you know, that's really all that matters. So I've uh, been, been two-handed since that point. So. No, that's great, man. I, and I, I, you, you remind me because I lose, I lose sight of it a lot of times because I'm, I look at, I look at the game so, so seriously. But it is about having fun, and that, that is how a lot of people get into the game, in, 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 as we know it. And you know, the two-handed side of the game, I think for for beginners, probably does make it a lot more fun. I could totally understand that. You know, I can, I can grasp how that, how that is probably true, and. uh yeah, but I'll tell you, as a high school coach, like I, uh, I switched a couple kids from two-handed to one-handed. Oh, I did. Mike. I know, <laughs> and it was down, but you're keeping them down here. I know, <laughs> and let let me tell you, like two of the one of them ended up going to Wichita State as a one-handed bowler and, and was super talented, and the other one, both of them were very good two-handed, and it was at a time where two-handed bowling was was already becoming very popularized, but really, it was it was. It was my lack of knowledge about it that that I was like, well, look, you know, I can I can show you how to do it this way, but I can't really show you how to do it the other way, not the whole thing because I don't really know it that well. But you're right; it is about the fun, and 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 it's interesting that a, that a player who has ascended to where you're at in the game, you know, Rob, to hear him talk about how he was in high school having fun with his buddies, bowling, you know, not taking it super seriously, not taking that route of like. Oh, everything has to be as serious as it can, as serious as it can be, and obviously it worked out for him. But Chris, it sounds like you're an athlete too, though. Yeah, yeah, I like to think of myself as an athlete. Uh, okay. I, I played pretty much every sport um, besides soccer growing up. Um, okay. It was pretty much everything was available besides soccer in, in my town. So, uh, you know, I played basketball, played baseball, um, traveled for both of those. You know, different places, played on some pretty good teams. Um, but yeah, I, you know, bowling was just kind of always a, a go-to and just kind of a, it was, it was the one that was most natural to me just because hey, you know, I had been doing it for so long. Hey Mike, I feel like Chris is the type of, of guy where he's kind of like under the radar athlete where he, he looks, he looks the part of like someone who's very intelligent and, you know, it, you know, wants to, you know, be in, in behind a computer, but then you put him out in the field and he'll like run circles around you on the basketball court. He's the guy, I was going to say, he's the guy yeah. who gets picked like next to last in the pickup yeah. game. <laughs> and then when the game starts, he's out there crossing people over, 100%. draining threes, dunking on people and shit, going crazy. 100%. Right. And, and, and it's funny 100%. because like I, like I just said, he, he was, he was in the game almost to enjoy himself. Right. And look at right. where he's got with the game. Rob, we know, Rob, we know dozens of people that took things like life or death with bowling, okay? Like whether they bowled well or did not bowl well di dictated how the rest of their week was going to go. And, you know, they, they, they never get to that level, right? So you combine the athleticism, you know, with the fun aspect of it and him kind of figuring things out on his own, mix in a little bit of the sports side of the game and the knowledge there. And, you know, I mean, it, it's just interesting to me. All right, so on to more I recent will, I, things. Go ahead, I, will go ahead. Add, 
I, just one thing I will add that uh, I do have the record for the, the highest vertical that's ever been recorded at the ITRC. So that's that. just a, a little tidbit Facts. for you guys. So you, you guys are right. Facts. Dude, Look at this. See, see you, we're, man, getting, that's we're awesome. getting the inside info here. There we are getting the inside info here. Okay. We need to see uh, that jump next show. We, you got to jump over the ball return next show or something. <laughs> in the show. No, don't oh, yeah, jump I'll, over I'll, the ball return. No, yeah, don't. I don't know if that would be uh, best with a uh, slide pad on, but we'll, yeah, we'll, give, we'll, try, we'll try to get something else going. Give give Randy that tidbit, though. Make sure Randy has that tidbit. I'd like to see uh, how he drops that in a show or uses it. Uh, all right. Yeah. On, to more, on to more recent things, man. Uh, we, we, listen, we were aware of you well before you, you hit the tour. I mean, you, you had a very accomplished college career and singles college career. You were on junior team USA, et cetera. So like I had seen your name around for a long time. And, and when you, when your name hit the tour, it wasn't surprising to see it there, but let's be honest, like last year you put your flag in the ground and you said, yo, Chris Vi is here, you know, two, three hundreds on TV wins the U S open, which Rob, we all know U S open is, is. It's it's a That's it's it, a That's it's it. a real it's a real badge of honor that these guys wear because of how tough they are, right? You finished third in the player of the year voting. Uh put your flag in the ground, announced your your arrival here. How are you viewing yourself this year? We we view you as a top five player going into this year, somebody who is a threat for player of the year, perhaps. Uh we did a skit a couple weeks ago where Rob and I were buying and selling stock of different bowlers. And we bought stock in you heavy because we, we view you this way. We feel like the bowling world, the bowling fans view you this way. Do you see it the same? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think uh, last year was a big confidence builder. And, and even right before COVID shut down, I felt like, you know, I was bowling, you know, some of my best I ever have. Um, I just think it's, you know, a couple of changes that I've made to my physical game. Um, but mostly it's just the mental game for me is so much better now. Um, and, and the bad games aren't quite as bad. And I'm able to recover and uh, just kind of see the lane a little bit more clear because, you know, I'm thinking a little bit more clearly. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, you know, I'm one of the the top five bowlers in the world right now. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, any tournament I can go into, I can win. Um, so now it's just, you know, going out there and actually doing it. So, Chris, let me follow here because that's interesting. You made an interesting point that I don't hear a lot of players talk about. I mean, maybe the top tier players, but not – players really looking to improve their game you talked about your mental game and i know how important that is right because you're battling yourself pretty much all tournament right your thoughts and what you think and how you feel um what how how do you work on your mental game i mean are you reading books did you go see like a sports psychologist can you kind of uh you know dive down a little bit into that yeah i mean those those two are 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 great options um personally i you know i watch some motivational videos um, and, and really it's, it's hard because it, it's so easy to read, you know, a positive book or it's so easy to watch a positive video like, Oh, you know, I can do that. And then, you know, you, you know, pocket seven, 10, four, nine, you know, a couple of bad, bad shots in a row. All of a sudden you got 30 in the fourth and then it's not so easy anymore. I'm so, tearing, I'm tearing the book in half yeah, and I'm exactly. throwing it in the trash. Dude. Exactly. That's my frustration. Yeah. I'm kicking <laughs> shit, dropping F bombs. Yeah. You know. For me. For me, those things just didn't translate very well. And, and I tried them and it was just like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I can do this. But like when the time comes where I actually need it, to me, I, I just couldn't translate it for myself. Um, so so me, it's I, I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm a really patient person, um, you know, and I was always a bit of a perfectionist. 
Um, I have that kind of that OCD type personality where I want everything to be perfect. And I want to make sure that, you know, I'm throwing the ball the absolute best. Um, so even if it was like, no, ah, that was a pretty good shot and it didn't do the right thing. It's like, no, like I can throw it better than that. I don't need to move. Um, I'll just throw it better. And, you know, it's not always how it works. And um, so just kind of being able to accept um, like quality shots that don't have to be quite perfect um, and just kind of accepting those and, and trying to say like, oh, like that was good enough that it should have done something else. So let's let's try to make something else work. Um, so just kind of being more more honest with myself and just trying to be overall more prepared. Uh, I just felt like a lot of times I like I didn't know what ball to go to next. I didn't know what move to make next. Um, just because I was, I was so far in my head, you know, for a couple of frames, then I would get behind it because, you know, the lanes move incredibly fast on tour. You know, it's really like, like no other place that you can, you could possibly think of. And, you know, if you're, you know, four or five frames behind it, you know, if you're not saying, you know, oh shit, I need to be two arrows further left, then, you know, you could be two, three games behind. And obviously you can't, can't do that against the best in the world. So, yeah. um, just being more honest with myself and, and just making making sure I'm more prepared um, and knowing what I need to do next. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's like playing playing chess, right? When you're you've been yeah. playing checkers, and that's how I look at it. Where the the best in the game are playing chess. They're looking at what they're going to move, transition, breakdown. Like they're 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 making those moves ahead. When a lot of the amateur people are only focusing on what's in front of them instead of looking two, three, four moves ahead of them. And I feel like that's why someone like Chris and, you know, a lot of these top tier guys are where they're at because of that fact. Yeah, for sure. Well said, well said on both ends. Uh, Chris, how are you preparing for this upcoming year? You practicing a lot? Uh, you drilling balls? What, what, what have you been doing? You bowling competitions? What have you had going on that, that you're getting ready for this upcoming season? Yeah, just been a lot of practice. You know, I haven't really been bowling too many uh, too many competitive events, which um, it's not normal for me necessarily. Just because you know, like I said, you know, being in the shop, it's it's been crazy busy. Uh, but I've been able to get on the lanes, practice a little bit. Uh, I just bowled a, an over under fifty with uh, Walter down in Houston. All that. Um, so that was kind of the first competition I've really had for. Well, I did bowl the the Swiss out in California with with uh, some buddies, but. Um, really since the Weber cup, it's just kind of been those two events. So I've just been kind of, you know, wind down a little bit, but at the same time, making sure I'm still staying sharp, um, and trying to get ready for the, the travel of the, the upcoming season. You feel sharp though? Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. Okay. How was it bowling with, uh, Walter Ray? It was interesting. It was really interesting because I mean, obviously like, you know, when he started bowling, the, the game was one way and, and, you know, the game today is so, so different. And, you know, trying to, you know, have conversations with him and and talk about, you know, what what moves I'm seeing, you know, maybe what I think he may need to do, what I think I may need to do. Um, it, sometimes it was it was really difficult because we just we just do not see the lane the same way whatsoever. Um, obviously, he likes to play really straight um, and we were bowling on short pattern. Uh, so it you know, kind of played into his, his wheelhouse a little bit, but at the same time, you know, once they got chopped up and some urethane started pushing down, um, we just, we saw the moves that we needed to make very differently. Um, so, so to a point, it was just kind of like, you know what, you do what you got to do. I'll do what I got to do. 
and we'll we'll see where we end up. So so hold on a minute. So he asked you to bowl, but he wasn't two handed in himself. <laughs> uh, if if we weren't bowling on short, maybe. But uh, All right, you know, okay. with, with the short being out there, I, I don't think that was a that was in play. <laughs> I mean, Probably what is true. that? What is that like though? Having pretty much, and I won't say pretty much, but having one of the goats, one of the all-time greats, ask like to bowl with you in a doubles tournament. I mean, is that like surreal at a certain time where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm bowling with this guy? He's like, I grew up watching him like on TV every week. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it was crazy to just you know have him text me and be like, hey. You know, do you want to bowl doubles? I mean, first of all, just him texting me in general is, yeah, is pretty crazy. Know. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've had a couple of those, like, you know, when I won the U.S. Open, Norm texts me. And I was just like, dude, it's like, Norm's my idol. Like, forever, oh, yeah. always will be. <laughs> He's um, my too. My yeah, too. so, like, it, it, it's just crazy to, you know, to, to kind of be at the level that, I, that I've gotten to and to have the connections that I do to um, actually be able to have, you know, relationships with these guys and, you know, for some of them to actually want to bowl with me. It's, it's crazy. You know, it, it is kind of like a dream come true from, from watching them, you know, growing up, you know, winning all those titles, you know, wanting to be in their shoes to now, you know, being in their shoes and uh, competing with them. It's, it's pretty cool. If you're a fan of Norm Duke, this is just some inside advice from Sweep the Rack podcast. If you're a fan of Norm Duke and you want to run into him on a regular you could go down to a certain area of Florida, rent a property. There's a good chance he might be your landlord. And then oh, you, okay. could, you could call him every day and be like, hey, the sink's dripping or the toilet's yeah. running or this. And then he's got to come every day because he's yeah, your landlord. True. So little yeah. little advice there if you want to want to get in touch with Norm. You know, I mean, you probably have other channels to do that, but I'm just saying <laughs> if you want to. Um, all right, so we talked about expectations for this year. We talked about your preparation for this year. Uh, let's talk just, you know, you don't have to give us everything, but give us one or two goals you have going into this year. Um, I think a goal for me every year is just to make the playoffs. Um, I know it probably sounds pretty low or pretty basic for, uh, for the type of year that I had last year, but, um, I just think the playoffs, it shows consistency. Uh, I think it shows having a, a solid year, you know, from, from top to bottom. So, um, that's, it's probably going to be one of my goals for every year that, you know, I continue to bowl on tour. Um, and then obviously a more, you know, aspiring goal is you know, to, to win a second title, um, knowing that I gave myself plenty of opportunities last year, um, and just, you know, you know, performed okay on the shows. I felt like I've, I've bowled fairly well on my telecast, um, just, you know, have a hard time winning, but. Uh, giving myself those opportunities, I think it, it makes me a little more comfortable each time that I'm out there. So, you know, hoping to give myself some more this year and, and come away with another title. Yeah, I feel like uh, there there were some situations where if a few things, a few breaks went different ways, um, you, 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 you know, your season could have been even better than it was last year. So I feel like going into this year, you know, if you find yourself on, you know, likely the same number of shows, uh, and those breaks do go your way, uh, yeah, I don't know. You could you could kind of rewrite that almost, but okay, all right, interesting. Uh, we love the PBA playoffs uh, here at Sweet Rack. We 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 feel like the PBA, and, and they kind of have, but we would like to see the PBA even go further to make that the the main piece of the end end of tour season. 
You know, like last mm-hmm. year, you had the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize for the event in, in in the beginning of the season, and we understood that was because of money left over and COVID situations, and they didn't know how long they were going to be able to keep things going, et cetera. But we would love to see that reversed and see the PBA playoffs be that main piece because you're right, you do have to bowl good all year to get there. You know, you do have to perform at a certain level all year to get there. And with the format changes that they're going to do, kind of lengthening it a little bit, you know, you might see the cream rise to the top even a little bit more in that event than you have. And and, and let's be honest, it already has been that way over the last few years that they've had it. But mm-hmm. we we really enjoy that event too. All right, uh, Rob. Go ahead. You want to ask? You have an yeah, important question to ask him. Yeah, I got a really important question because we had Kyle on uh, our last uh, interview series episode, and we were we were I, I wasn't surprised, but I found out that he actually uh, is uh, he's not the most eligible bachelor anymore on tour. He's taken. He's got a you know he's got a girlfriend. He's of course. I mean, when you have a year that he had, I mean, you know, he's probably women are swimming up in his DMs. Yeah, not surprising. So Chris, I mean. I don't know what your status is, but are you looking at the most eligible bachelor, the new, the new Kyle coming into this year? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh. I think uh, it might be, it might be something in the works. So, uh, you know, yeah, you know, gotta, gotta keep those, those things a little more private, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> not, not, so, not sure. That, not sure that title is mine either. So we're not going to see you in any flow bowling videos in a hotel room uh, with your, with your your fancy socks on, getting your hair ready for Valentine's Day—is that what you're telling us? Even if I was, I, I don't think that would be me. I, I, I'm just—I <laughs> I don't have the personality that Kyle does, so uh, I, I'm not sure that would that would fly. Mike, well, we have to—we got to ask around now and find out who the net. We got to find out, like, yeah, we we'll we'll get that important. info. And now, what I want to see is I want to see a Kyle versus Chris match. You know, several matches on TV. I want the out outlandish personality against the reserve personality, the two handers. That's that's a matchup I'm going to be looking for going into this season. Uh, I think we've had it. I think we've had a couple. Yeah, you have. You have. Yeah, you, know, you, you got. You got there. That could that could be a that could be a developing rivalry. Yeah, that's where yeah. I'm going. You you have that yeah. contrast. You definitely have that contrast for sure. We keep like making those shows. I'm I'm cool with it. Uh, well, we talked to him. I can tell you that he plans on still making a lot of shows this year. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be a possibility. Uh, I, I did some research. I saw that you you won mul- your team, your school, your high school, won multiple uh, Ohio State high school bowling championships. Is this true? Yes. Yeah. We okay. won uh, back-to-back my junior and senior year. All right. Well, you know, around here, around here at Sweep the Rack, uh, they call me the goat of high school bowling in New Jersey. Okay, he calls himself it. the goat of high school I have, Jersey. I don't no, know anybody other, else that calls him that. Other people call me this too. Okay, and uh, I just want to ask, like, when you won these, because we we actually won back to back state championships. We're the only only program in New Jersey state history to do that in the current oh, format. But, here we go. Um, here we go. What I here wanted to ask go. quickly was, what you know, what kind of what kind of numbers were you guys putting up in your high school matches? With you know, with, what are we talking? So we talking we, five players, five bowlers. Yeah, so we had okay. we had five bowlers. We bowled two regular team games, okay. and then we bowled, I think it was four Baker games. Uh, I think were our formats. So it was kind of the equivalent of almost three full team three games. games, right? Um, regular five man lineup game. What 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 were you putting up? Oh, uh, we had we had shot thirteen hundred a couple of different times. Um, but I mean, we were pretty, yeah, yeah, we were, we were pretty solid. 
Uh, How easy had, are they out there in Ohio? Oh, 1300. Oh, that's the first oh thing you God. bring up is the lane conditions. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, you can never get any you know, credit nowadays. I'm such, a, I'm such a hater. I know. I'm a hater. I'm such a hater. Both 1300, all the lanes must have been easy. Like, that's just – God, I hate that way of thinking these days. I think we had uh, we had a couple of thirty two hundreds. Thirty two, um, okay. Yeah, so I, I think okay. we had the state record for a while. I have no idea. I haven't kept up with it for a while. And and actually, since um, so when I bowled, we were there was only one division in Ohio high school bowling. So we bowled. You know, my school had seven hundred kids. We bowled schools that had three thousand. Okay. Um, just because there weren't as many programs as there are now, so that's two divisions in Ohio now. Um, but yeah, we were, we were pretty solid. We had, we had a lot of the, a lot of the state records. We had a lot of really good bowlers. Um, so I, I would have put our team up against pretty much any other high school team in the country. Yes, I, I'll tell you what, I felt, I felt the same way about my teams back then too. That's why I asked. I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, if they did that, he, they must've been pretty good. And, and if they had him, they must've been pretty good, but would have loved to have seen that matchup. Would have been an interesting yeah. hypothetical matchup. But they're 3,200 for two games and four bakers. Ah, that's a, I got to say, it's a pretty high number. It's an impressive number. All right. We, we took enough of your time. We're going to get you out of here. Who, 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 do you, who are you plugging, man? Who's supporting you? What companies are you working with? We know Storm, obviously, but plug yep. them too. Who else are you working with? Who's supporting you out there? Yeah. You know, you know, obviously, thanks for having me, guys. You do really appreciate it. You guys do a great job with the podcast. Um, you know, but for. You know, for, for my companies, obviously Storm, uh, Turbo, Apparel EFX. Um, those are the companies that have been, you know, tried and true since day one. Uh, but I'm actually working with a, a sports agent now. Um, I don't know you guys have probably seen some logos on my jerseys of uh, LWS. Um, it's a taxing um, payroll accounting uh, firm, which I have an accounting degree. So uh, it's another little tidbit for you guys there. But uh, Ooh, that's a good nickname. Me. The accountant, Chris, yeah. the accountant by, man. I like that. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> there you go. So uh, they're, they're from my hometown. You know, they're super supportive. And uh, the owner actually started his own sports agency. Um, and he's, uh, you know, so he's now my my official agent. Um, we've already been working with uh, trying to get a couple of different companies with some more sponsorships. Um, so it's pretty cool. You know, obviously, shout out to him. Uh, his name's Blake Schaefer. He has, uh, I think it's, uh, I think Schaefer Sports Management, I think, is, is, is what he's going with. Um, okay. I, I can't remember the actual title. Probably should look that up. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so he's been super supportive, super helpful. So, um, yeah, obviously just you know, want to thank them for always believing in me and, you know, keep on riding this wave. All right, two, two things. Number one, awesome that you have a sports. We just talked to Kyle about that in our yeah. interview with him and how important it is for you guys to have that support behind you to get some of these things done because you have to concentrate on the bowling and that's hard enough and you have to stay sharp and, and, and you have to mentally prepare to be out there. So to have to serve all these other roles is somewhat tough. So good move on that. If you could get us the sports agent, we'd love to have him on to talk a little sports agents to talk, maybe, maybe wrap it in with some bowling. So I might reach out about that. And uh, okay. what, what's, what new storm ball are, is going down the lane a lot for you as of late? Oh man, um, the new one as of late. Uh, I've so I've been I've drilled the Nova. The Nova is really really good. Um, but man, I've been loving the global stuff. Obviously, um, you know the, okay. the stuff they've been making has been really good. That altered reality, it's uh, it's a beast, man. I, I think it's going to be really usable on tour next year. 
So I'm looking forward to that one. And then we might see that Wolverine get some play uh, later in the in the block. So uh, we'll see. But, man, the stuff they're making right now is really good. So obviously okay. I, I want to shout out my pro shop, too. Almost forgot oh, that. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Uh, Don't forget know, that. Which, you know, I'm taking a little break from right now. Uh, TV Bowling Supply, we're, you know, we're here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, you know, so obviously if you're, you guys are ever in the area, make sure to stop by, you know, say hello and uh, we'll try to take, get you guys taken care of. You're definitely, you're definitely going to get professional service there. Absolutely. Pro, pro, uh, stress on professional. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. So go see these guys. If you're in the area, uh, Chris, we appreciate the time. We, we, we're also going to hit you up about, uh, anonymously though, uh, pro shop worst of the week stories. That's something else we do around here. We love to hear, we love to hear the pro shop stories, uh, behind oh, the yeah. scenes. So we'll hit you up about that too. But uh, listen, we appreciate the time. Uh, safe travels. Good luck this season. Bowl well. We'll be watching. Rob, again, we'll probably be betting on him at some time throughout the season. So don't do us wrong. All right. If we have right. the money on you, show up and, and, and come through on us. Come through for us on that. But uh, thank you again. Good luck, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll be watching to see what happens. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. No doubt. Thanks, Thanks for the time. Ah, Rob. We're, 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 we're like, we're top five. We're going top five all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that he did the interview in the bowling alley. You see people in the behind him is, you know, if, if, if you're listening, says to a this, lot, Rob, um, it does. Says a lot, in the Rob. Bowling alley, right? He, he's see, been in the bowling spending, alley. spending a lot yeah. of time in the bowling alley, Rob. I got, you, know? you know, and the one thing that sticks out to me, the interview the most is um, obviously just his dedication, right. And how he's really focused on the bowling, but, Mike, he hired a sports agent too. And I feel like that's kind of a new thing that we've been hearing from these pros that we haven't heard in prior interviews, right? Um, and Mike, that is a great, great thing to hear that the pros are kind of taking it upon themselves to get paid in other aspects and not just the bowling check, that they're not guaranteed every week, right? Or every other week or whenever they bowl. They're, you know, have the ability now with the ratings for bowling being up. Um, Fox Sports and all the television coverage that bowling has been getting in, in the last year, it, it, it's definitely a time for these guys to hire sports agents to reach out to get their own sponsorships. And that's a really important piece to surviving on tour. This Chris has a pro shop he runs. I don't know if it's just the one pro shop in Columbus. He could have multiple pro shops, right? Now he has all the sponsorships. He's got an agent working for him and he's got the checks coming in, right? It makes for a good living as a you know, I don't know how old Chris is, probably in his late 20s, maybe, you know, around that area. Um, but that's a – Mike, that's a good living for a guy who, you know, is you know is in, in his late 20s. Um, but I think that's an important piece that we're hearing these days now from a lot of the younger guys. Yeah, uh, it, it's awesome. It's awesome to see. I, I, I hope I hope they all do well with it, you know. Right. Um, we, we've seen it, right? We've seen it a little bit. Uh, like we've talked about Sean Rash here before and his his efforts with sponsorships. We've seen it with Belmo, you know, and some of the different things that he's gotten involved with. But the, as I said to Chris at the end of the interview, like the, the, the issue there is that those guys were doing a lot of that legwork themselves, right? Whereas if you have somebody doing it for you, it makes it a lot easier to just go out and perform, right? Which, again, is hard enough. Uh, so yeah, it's great to see those guys be able to have those opportunities. And, and, and what I think about Rob, when they, when they bring that up is like, not so much you, you, we, and we've talked and you have brought up like 
national opportunities, big opportunities, right? We just talked to Marshall Holman, and he brought up his sponsorship with Nike, right? And and, and listen, we would all love that. That would be tremendous for the game in general. How realistic all, is that, though, right? Like Okay, but I also think about it in, 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 on a small scale of, like, local. Yeah. Even like hyper local, you know, if you right. if you have a sports agent who's working with you in your direct local area, whether that be the town you live in, the county you live in, the state you live in, right? That there's a, I think there's a lot of opportunities there that that might no one opportunity might be a home run in terms of uh, a financial windfall, but if you add up ten of those opportunities then there there might be something there for the players. So it's good to see them go down these different routes. I mean, you know, he Chris is also involved with uh, the house and, and Brad and Kyle, and they're marketing through that. Um, so, again, that's another platform that they can do that through, right, and that he can market himself through and promote things through. So it's awesome. It's, it's great to see these guys kind of get these opportunities, and, and I hope bowling continues to build on that. I hope Bolero continues to build on that. Quite frankly, Rob, I, I I'd love to see Bolero market some of these guys in their centers and, and and in different ways, right through their company that they can come up with. So, um, great to see that some of these guys are making those moves, though. In terms of the of the bowling side of things, uh, interesting to hear about the mental game. I agree with you. You kind of highlighted that in the interview, right? It's a it's it's interesting. A lot of times you hear about more the physical things, ball reaction, and and adjusting to the lane conditions and adjustments. And Chris brought up some of those things as well. But, you know, he was very clear that the main piece that he felt was his struggle was the mental piece. Yeah, it's such it's such a big part. And if you ever look, if you're listening to this right now and you ever bowled, and I'm not talking league, I'm talking like if you ever bowled a longer format tournament, like an eight-game tournament, a 10-game tournament, a two-day tournament, right? The, the thought process that you go through, it's a literally a battle all day uh, with your own thoughts and what goes on in your mind and what your conscious is telling you in certain situations. Um, and if you can learn how to turn that to your advantage, when that key point in a tournament comes where you have to throw a good shot and you always have a certain point in a tournament where the tournament goes to either great or it goes to shit. And it could be early in the tournament. It could be late in the tournament. It's those certain points where if you can calm down your nerves and you can make the best shot you can, and you could also make the best decisions you can, um, you know, it's such an advantage to have physically, Mike, these guys are talented, but you know, a lot of the regional players too, a lot of the great regional players are just as physically talented as a lot of the guys who are in the top 15, what separates them is their knowledge of equipment and their mental game. And he talked about it, like being, you know, and I brought up chess, you know, a lot of people who bowl today that are amateurs or league bowlers, they're playing checkers, Mike. They're thinking of what to do now. They're too worried about what, what their strategy is for the next shot. When in reality, the, the pros and the guys who are in the top 10 are, are at the mental aspect now or the mental game where they are thinking two, three, five frames a game, two games ahead. Uh, on what the shot's going to break down, what the transition's going to look like, what the next pair is, where they're going, right? Like there's so much different thoughts that go on through your mind during the tournaments that, Mike, a mental game is huge. And it wouldn't surprise me if I heard a lot of these guys are starting to go see sports psychologists 
you know, reading books, watching YouTube videos, um, you know, getting into meditation, yoga type stuff, you know, I think it's really important. So I really like bringing that up because you don't hear about that a lot. Okay. All right, Rob, uh, we'll wrap it up for the people. We appreciate it. The people's time. We appreciate Chris's time. Awesome uh, to hear from another player, uh, you know, who had a great year last year and uh, hear their thoughts going into the PBA tour season here. Uh, check out the website, sweeptherackbowling.com. Uh, check us out on social media. He's at BrooklynRob11. I'm at the 215th. Email us, sweeptherack at Gmail. Hit us up. Uh, everybody have a good one. And uh, hit that subscribe button. Hit that Please. subscribe button on YouTube. Help us out. Help us out and uh, and be aware of the content we're putting out because we're going to keep it coming. All right, Rob, have a good one. We'll catch up. Too, and, uh, thanks, you folks. Later, guys. You are now listening to Sweep the Rack podcast featuring Brooklyn.